Hi, everybody. This is Jimmy DeYoung. Thank you so very much for joining us to listen to a portion of the series on Esau and the Palestinians. Esau and the Palestinians is a five-hour audio series that deals with tracing from Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, all the way to the present-day Palestinian people. There is a history that needs to be looked at. We need to look at the past. We need to look at prophecy as it relates to what will happen to these descendants of Esau. And then we need to look at the present and see how this is all coming together. That's exactly what we do in the five-hour audio series on Esau and the Palestinians. I hope that this will be a blessing to you as we study the Word of God together. And now, an introduction to Esau and the Palestinians. You're looking again at verse 4, and the giving of the law. Now, the law had a good purpose in it. We'll see that uh, they didn't understand the law, which would to take them to Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law. But the law gave them how to live politically. I guess we probably need that today. But the law gave them the way how to live uh, politically, socially, and religiously. And so there wasn't a question, is, is, is this activity all right? Is that act? And they were to live according to what the law said to do. In the law, there are 613 different mitzvahs, or different uh, statements that they must abide by. And that's to point them to the person of Jesus Christ, because who in the world can keep not ten commandments, which is what everybody might think the Jewish people have. Instead, they have 613 commandments. When they wear a prayer shawl, You've seen probably the Orthodox Jews, uh, maybe at the Western Wall with a prayer shawl over their head or over their shoulders. It has 613 knots in it, representing the 613 mitzvahs or laws that he has given them. Then it says in the service of God, talking about that service, that relationship they would have in the temple and the tabernacle. And it says, in concluding verse 4, and the promises. One of the problems that I saw in Great Britain with the ever-expanding our millennial philosophy of eschatology was they are taking and misappropriating the promises given to the Jews and appropriating them for the church. We cannot do that. So many on national television, these health, wealth, and happiness boys are doing that same type of thing. They're taking promises given to the Jews and appropriating them for the body of Christ, which cannot be done. So he gave them the promises. And in verse 5, Whose also are uh, whose are the fathers, the patriarchs they gave? Again, we got to, we have to remember, and I taught this before here when I did a series on the alignment of the nations, and I brought this up. The people in Great Britain didn't understand this. The people in Spain did not understand this. That all those people located in the Middle East and the ones that are fighting, the ones who are involved with what's going on there. All of those people are not children of Father Abraham. All of those people, they, the news commentators today try to propagate that untruth upon us, saying that, well, there's no problem if they'd all just get together. They're cousins. They're all sons of Father Abraham. That is not a true statement. God gave the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to the Jewish people in his past selection. He did not give these three to another nation. And of course, ultimately, then verse 5 says, all the way to Christ. 
What about his generosity? We've looked at his gifts. What about his generosity? Look at verse 6. Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are Israel. In other words, when God selected the Jewish people in the past, he didn't do it because it was a natural descent. Not because they all came from Father Abraham is exactly what I said. And in chapter 9, verse 8 and following, he starts to talk about the children after the flesh. That would be Ishmael. Ishmael was after the flesh, not after the promise. Isaac would be after the promise. So it was not by natural descent they got it. Then in verse 10 it tells us it was not not only natural descent, but by human merit. God didn't select them. When you look at Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 8, it talks about separating all of mankind, all of the human race, in the 11th chapter of the book of Genesis. Remember when God comes down, gives them the different languages, scatters them all over the face of the earth. He separated. How did he determine how many would be in each location? Deuteronomy 32, 8 says, by the number of the children of Israel. That's how he made a determination. He puts Jerusalem, Ezekiel 5, 5, in the center of the earth. He puts all the nations around her. And then he determines how many will be in each nation by the number of the children of Israel. He called them into existence to be the first missionaries and tell what God would do for an individual who abided in what he said to do, honored him as the almighty God, and then would give them the word of God as well as they were involved with uh, what he then wanted them to do. And, and, so it, it, and then if you go over to chapter 7 of Deuteronomy, I believe it's verse 6 or 7, it says, it wasn't because they were the greatest in number, but they were the fewest in number. But he chose them anyway because he loved them. Look what it says in verse 10. And not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even by our father Isaac, for the children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil. And so when God's going to choose Jacob to become the nation of Israel, he didn't do it because he had done good or evil. He did it before they were even born, when they could not have done good or evil. That the purpose of God, according to the election, might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth. Then he says, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. We'll get to that again in just a few moments. Verse 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Well, not only was it the gifts that God gave in selecting Israel in the past, not only was it his generosity, they weren't of the natural descent, they, it wasn't of human merit because of his generosity, but his grace, and the rest of chapter 9 explains his grace. And again, I'm not going to develop the, th the theme on grace, but just to talk to you that it was his grace that he chose the Jew Jewish people. I told you that a moment ago. But it's also his grace that then chose the Gentile people. When they rejected, that's chapter 10 in just a moment, when they rejected, God by his grace chose the Gentiles. And then in verse 27 of chapter 9, it talks about a remnant, a remnant out of the Jewish people that will come to know Messiah Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And again, by his grace, they've selected that. Chapter 10 of the book of Romans now is Israel's present activities and the present suspension because of rejection. Several reasons he were, they were rejected. Uh, they rejected Jesus Christ because, number one, they believed they didn't have a need. They didn't feel like they needed to be saved. Look at verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
That's what he just got finished saying in the first three verses of chapter 9. The Apostle Paul, who was a part of that nation of Israel coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, now his desire is that they come to know Christ. But because they didn't feel they had a need to get saved, the Jews today don't feel like they have a need to get saved. Gentiles need to convert. Now, it's pretty difficult to convert if you're a Gentile. What happens if you're a Gentile? You go to the rabbi three times. The first time, he rejects you, doesn't even talk to you. Second time, he says, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. Third time, you go away and think about it. If you want to convert to Judaism, come back and talk to me. And so the Jews today feel like they didn't have a need for salvation. Everybody else, God was honoring them. They didn't need to be saved. Then in verse 2, For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. They were zealous people. They're zealous people today in their activities, in their life, in their supposed dedication. People are scared to death to go around religious Jews thinking they can't talk to them about the Lord because they feel like they're so zealous in the way they live. Completely sold out. I mean, they, they only eat kosher. They don't, uh, uh, they observe the Sabbath. They don't do anything on the Sabbath. But they were zealous without knowledge. They were zealous without knowledge. They're proud. Look at verse 3. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. They would not submit, but they were trying to establish their own righteousness. Because they felt they had no need for salvation because they were zealous without knowledge, because they were proud and self-righteous, and that came about because they didn't understand the law. Look what it says in verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. You ought to be in our church. It is a thrill to be in our church when Minno Kalashir, of Israeli background, a Hebrew who has come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, stands and opens up the Word of God and talks to Jewish people about the law and says, you don't understand this law is a schoolmaster. He said, this law is to take care of the baby. He, he used a beautiful illustration. He said, the law is like my babysitter. But when I get home, the babysitter goes home. And we don't longer leave the babysitter. I take care of my babies. And he applied that to the fact that God simply used the law as a babysitter or as a schoolmaster to bring the Jew to Jesus Christ. But they couldn't understand. They didn't see that in the law. They tried to be so pious, self-righteous, proud that they said, hey, we don't need to get saved because <laughs> we, we, if we just keep the law, keep the law. I can't even keep 10 of much up 613. I mean, can you imagine? You'd be afraid to move trying to keep 613 laws all the time. Thank you very much for joining us in this study of Esau and the Palestinians. Now, this is a five-hour audio series. You have just been able to listen to a portion of the introduction to this series. It's an audio series on CD, and it's available to you. You can call our toll-free number, 877-674-3298, or you can go to our website, www.prophecytoday.com, and go to our shopping mall and order your copy of the audio series on CD of Esau and the Palestinians. This series will help you to understand better what is going on in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict today and what God's plan is for the future. 
Thank you very much for joining us for this Bible study, and I hope it will help you to realize that the coming of Jesus Christ is close at hand. But before he comes back to the earth, at least seven years before that, he will shout, the archangel will shout, the trouble God will sound, and we'll be caught up to be with him at the rapture of the church. By the way, that could happen at any moment. And having said that, nothing left for me to say except let's keep looking up until.